This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. Welcome back to Case Closed. Thanks for joining me this Wednesday for another hour of old-time radio crime. We begin this week with crime and Peter Chambers. Hear his story from June 15, 1954, titled Stony Carter. After that, it's This Is Your FBI and Murder on the Range, their story from September 6, 1946. Crime and Peter Chambers. Created by Henry Kane, transcribed and starring Dane Clark. Private investigator, duly licensed and duly sworn, Peter Chambers. You're a private eye. That's your business. Anything else? That's for laughs. It's 5.30 in the afternoon and you're at a cocktail party on Park Avenue. Right up to now, you've been bored. But that was right up to now. Before you saw her. Now you've seen her. And she's about as beautiful as anything you've ever seen in your life. She's seated at a piano, idly doing improvisation. Uh, may I, uh... Oh, is it all right? May I sit here beside you? Why, yes, certainly. I'd been hoping you would. Well, now. You're Peter Chambers, aren't you, honey? The detective-type fella? Oh, I love that harmony of its accent. My name's Lenore. And I love that name. Mr. Peter Chambers? I just couldn't perk up enough nerve to approach you, but I did so want to talk with you. Mr. Peter Chambers? Uh, oh, that's for you, uh, isn't it? Look when. Uh, here, I'm uh, Peter Chambers. Uh, telephone call for you, sir. Where? Just follow me, sir. All right, I'll be back, Lenore. Don't go away. I'll be waiting. You're right this way, sir. Thank you. Here you are. Thank you. Hello? Pete? Hello, Pete? Oh, no. It's Louis Parker, Detective Lieutenant Parker. Oh, can I lose you anywhere? Here I am at a park in your shindig, yeah, Louis. Yeah, and... and it's a good thing I knew where to find you. It's murder, Pete. Well, what else when Parker of homicide is involved? Look, one of our suspects is a kid by name of Jack March. Jack March. I know that boy. Yeah, he won't talk to cops. But he says he will talk to you. He'll talk to Peter Chambers only. Well, if that's the way it is, Louis. When do you need me? Right away. High View Apartments on Sutton Place, apartment 16A. Hey, very fancy. And who lives there? The Contessa Lafresso. Oh, that's real fancy, too. Is she there? She's here. And she ain't here, if you know what I mean. She's dead. All right, I'll be there. Good boy. Bye now. Detective Lieutenant Louis Parker... When he asks a favor, you jump. Because with you, as with everyone else, Louis Parker rates. Only with you, he rates special because you don't only respect him as a cop, you respect him as a friend. So you get to Sutton Place, the apartment of the Contessa Lafresso. Parker's there. A lovely red-headed maid is there. 
Jack March is there, and one other guy. A tough baby by the name of Stoney Carter. How long are you going to... You know everybody here, Pete? Hi, Mr. Chambers. How are you, Jack? I'm lousy. I think I'm in the middle of a quit frame. Just hold it, young fellow. Pete, uh, you know Stoney Carter? Me and Ashamus, we have met now and then. I've always preferred the then to the now. Go with the play on words. (laughs) Stoney Carter. A hoodlum from way back. An easy money guy that's always stayed inside the law. Not so young Jack March. A good kid turned wrong and then turned right again. He's done a stretch and he's been paroled and you're one of those who made character for him. He's driving a cab last you heard. But the redhead's more attractive than both of them put together. And you're beginning to debate between the redhead and Lenore, but uh, uh, you stay faithful to Lenore. Pete. Yeah? Notice all I've got is three uniformed cops here. My staff is on the way. We haven't really got started yet. And already you've gone at two suspects? Yeah. Come in here, the bedroom. In the bedroom, Parker pulls down a sheet and shows you the Contessa L'Apresso. Dead. Knife to death. He points out a switch knife lying on the dresser. The dresser's also got two vases on it. One with gardenias and one with orchids. The flowers wilted and tired. Red-headed maid came back and found her like that. Came back from where? Let me get the sheet back over the Contessa. Yeah, she doesn't look very pretty now. Okay. Denise, will you come in here, please? Oui, monsieur. Denise Monet, Peter Chambers. How do you do? How do? Denise, would you uh, tell Mr. Chambers just what happened? Well, it was about ten minutes to five. Madame was in bed napping. I knew she had an appointment at five, so I woke her. An appointment? With whom? Uh, with Monsieur Stoney Carter for five o'clock. The other one was for five thirty. What other one? The other appointment. What other appointment? The one with uh, Monsieur Jacques Marsh. Okay, Miss Denise, so you woke her up. Oh, she was very tired. We only came home today from a week in the country. There was shopping to do, and she told me to go and do it. The shopping. But I say, Madame, you will have a guest shortly. And what did she say? She yawned and say, So he will wake me up. Leave the door unlocked. Which is just what she does. She leaves the door unlocked and blows. She comes back at 20 after 5. She finds your friend Jack March standing in here. Knife is in his hand, and the Contessa, she's dead. So quickly I call the police, and quickly the police come. And what does Jack March do in the meantime? He stands like, um, oh, how you say it, um, uh, petrified. Petrified is pretty good. And we find him like that, knife in his hand. And, of course, he clams. The poor kid. He don't trust cops. He starts wailing for Peter Chambers. He don't trust law, but he trusts Peter Chambers. Look, he's a good kid, Louis. Good kid, schmood kid. He's got a knife in his hand. He's here on the scene. What does he get for that, the purple heart? And that bum out there, the first appointment, the five o'clock guy, Stoney Carter. What about him? Well, the minute Denise gives us the story, one of my boys picks him up at his place. Where is his place? Hotel Bilton. He'd hardly got there. Still had his hat on. Okay. So, I suppose you want me to talk to the kid? Yeah, I wish you would. For his sake. All right. But let's sort of do it in a hurry. I've got to get back to a party. Oh, business deal there, Pete? Well, not exactly business. Uh, uh-huh. Well, yeah, if you want to put it that way. Now, look, Miss Denise. Uh, oui, Monsieur Chambre. 
Aren't you the cute one? Ooh, oui, Monsieur Chambre. Oh, you're the niece, you. You know, if there wasn't a Lenore... Ah, uh, Lenore, there is perhaps, but Lenore's... Oh, poof, there are many. There is but one, Danny. You know, I got a small hunch. You're right, honey. Well, look, lover boy, break it up, huh? What did you, what did you want to ask you? Uh, sorry, Louis, lost my head. Now, these flowers here, Denise, what are they? Orchids and gardenias. A bow of the contest he gives them last week. Mm, they're all wilted. Of course. It was last week. Oh. And we have been away all this week. Hello, Pete. Uh, you want to talk to the kid now? I'll talk to both of them. Stoney Carter first, if it's all right with you, Louis. Yeah, sure. In here or out there? Out there. Crazy French maid. Stoney. At your service, Louis. Tell Mr. Chambers your tale of woe, huh? Tale of woe. <laughs> uh, simple. Okay, let's hear it. I got a date with the Contessa for five bells. I come, I knock, no answer. I try the door, it's open. I goes in, finds her asleep. I wake her, we chop chop, but she ain't in the mood for no company. She's sleepy. So I blow the joint. How long did you stay? Oh, maybe 10, 15 minutes. And then? I get back to my hotel, and ain't there maybe a minute when wham, banging on the door, cops. They lug me back here. That's it. Okay, now you, Jack March. Your personal private eye is here. You want to unclam now? Or you want a personal private trip downtown? Easy, Louis, easy, will you? Jack. Yeah? You trust me, don't you, kid? Yes, sir. Mr. Chambers? All right, tell me what happened. Look, they'll railroad me. I've been in the can once. I don't want it. I don't want it no more. Mr. Chambers, I'm driving a hack, special okay from the hack bureau. I'm doing it all right. Now I got to get caught up in this. What happened, kid? Well, I had a date with her for 5.30. Yeah. I come early. Like Stoney says, the door was open. Only I don't find her asleep. I find her dead. And there's a knife on the floor. But like a dope, I picks it up and then the maid barges in. What am I going to do? Me with a shiv in my hand? Stab her and make a run for it? So I just stand there like the big dope I am, and that's it. A dead dame, a knife, and me in the middle. You didn't kill her, did you, kid? You think he'd tell you if he did? Yes, Louie, I think he would. I didn't. I didn't kill her. Why should I kill her? Pete, uh, come over here a minute. Parker takes you aside and thanks you. The staff will be here soon, and they'll take over on the scientific aspects. So, since there's nothing left for you to do, you tell Parker to keep you posted and that you're going back to that Park Avenue shindig, and back there you go. Hi, Mr. Chambers. Hi. It's so good to see you again. I told you I'd be back, Lenore. Uh, Lenore, uh... Stanhope. Oh, beautiful girl, beautiful name. Another beautiful name happened to me just a short while ago. Denise. Oh, honey, there are so many Denises. But there's only one little old Lenore. <laughs> you know, you two must have studied in the same book. But, Lenore, my love, I am faithful unto you. Let us go <laughs> gather cocktails. You're just the man for a criminologist to meet. Who needs criminologists? I've got you. I... Chambers. <laughs> Mr. Chambers. Oh, oh, here's that man again. All right, here, here I am. A uh, phone call, Mr. Chambers. Thank you. Uh, what's your name? Livingston, sir. Lead me to it, Mr. Livingston. Lenore, once more, my apologies. This way, 
Mr. Chambers. You go to the phone, and guess who? We've got developments, Pete. Look, I'm working on a few developments myself, Louis. We're booking your boy, but there have been a couple of interesting developments. Oh, uh, like what? Well, that's not for phone talk. I'll wait for you if you promise to come over to the apartment, but pronto. All right, I'll be there as fast as I can. Don't go away. I'll be here, but do it quick, huh? So, once more, you do the apology bit for Lenore Stanhope. You tell her you'll be back, that you'll call her even before you come back. And then you tear yourself away. And you're on your shuttle again. You're back at Sutton Place in the Countess's apartment. And there's nobody there. Not even the body. There's only Parker, a couple of cops, and Stoney Carter. Where's everybody? Well, your boy's downtown being booked. Body's been picked up by the basket boys, and my staff has departed. Well, there was one little bright light down here who was conspicuous by her absence, that Denise. What happened to her? <laughs> you turned on her like a refrigerator, so she kind of shined up to one of my young cops. We went downtown with him. Mm-hmm. You going to brush her up on uh, criminology? Mayhap, my lad, mayhap. Well, there's always Lenore. Lenore? Who that? Private lieutenant. Private for the private eye. <laughs> now, what's with the developments? Well, first, we've got a little motive, finally. Like what? Robbery. There's a brooch missing from the drawer of that dresser in the bedroom. The one with the flowers on it? Mm-hmm. The wilted orchids and gardenias? Yep. Top drawer. Kept the jewelry there. Insured, but the brooch is gone, and it's worth 100,000 bananas. You mean the dame woke up while one of our two suspects was kind of helping himself to this, uh... Diamond brooch, yeah. Uh-huh. Figure she woke, squawked, got stuck. So? Who stuck her? We say your boy, Jack March. Fingerprints on knife, only one set, his. What about fingerprints on the dresser drawer? Got a smudge, which could have been a fingerprint. And then we got a fingerprint, which turns out to be Stony Carter's. Then why are you holding my boy? Because, one, your boy was caught red-handed with the knife. Two, only his prints are on the knife. And three, the smudge could have been his print, only it got smudged, and that happens often enough. And how does dear old Stoney explain his print? Let him talk for himself. Sure, Lieutenant. I am happy to oblige. Oh, I love these oily, obliging guys. Okay, big shot. Oblige. It's like this. I get here. She's sleeping. She wakes up. We chat. These flowers are all wilted. The petals are all over the dresser. Dropped from these here flowers, you see? I'm a neat guy. Always been a neat guy. So, while we're chatting, I'm kind of cleaning up these petals with felt, you see? I'm shoving them into the palm of my hand. You see, I'm going to dump them down the incinerator. All right, do it a little faster, Stoney, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the top drawer's a little open. Some of them petals I'm cleaning up, brushing them together like. Some of them fall in there. So I pull a drawer open, take out the ones that fall in, dump the heap into the incinerator. Like that, my print maybe gets on a knob of that drawer. Well, simple enough to be perfectly logical. Time. Time to go into a huddle again, Lieutenant. You and me, alone. Yeah, sure, Pete. Come in the bedroom. It's empty now. You holding that bird out there? I haven't got on what to hold it. And he's wise enough to know it. He's beefing for his lawyer already. But you're holding the kid, aren't you? A kid who's trying to straighten himself out, driving a oh, cab. He's... Look, be sensible. We got him with the goods. Fingerprints, witness, the works. But what about the brooch? Well, our fast figure is he got rid of it somewhere first. And then back here, he's about to clean up on the knifing deal when the maid shows. Oh. Now, wait a minute. So he plays it dumb, you see. 
stands here. He doesn't make a run for it. And he says he picks the knife up off. But it could be true, can it? Only his prints are on it. But be... it's possible that the knife was wiped and then he picked sure, it up. Oh, everything's possible. But we got a case against him. Against the Stony, we haven't got a thing. You're going to look over his place at the Bilton? Oh, we haven't got a right. You need a search warrant for that. We haven't got a thing to base a warrant on. Yeah, but I don't need a warrant. What does that mean? The thing blew wide open fast, and you picked up Stoney at the Bilton. He'd hardly gotten into his place yet. You said yourself he had his hat still on his head. So? So? If maybe he did cop that brooch, it'd still be there. He just didn't have a chance to move it. But I can't get a warrant. I got no grounds for it. Good enough. So that's where a little boy private eye fits in. Where? Listen, Louie, call him here for half an hour, and then let him go. Give him a five-minute head start, and then you call on him at the Bilton. Strictly a social call. What'll you be working on in the meantime? Me? Be working on trying to get young Jack March out of the can. If I'm wrong, I apologize. If I'm right, a good kid gets spared a lot of grief. Bye now, Louie. So, off you go on your scooter. First stop is an old friend, an elderly Greek gentleman who owns a flower shop. You have a bit of discourse on the subject of flowers, including orchids and gardenias. And you come away with some edifying results. Then at the Bilton, you learn that Stoney's place is 426. So you pace the fourth floor corridor waiting for him. There's a phone booth and you use it. Uh, Mr. Livingston, I presume? This is Livingston, sir. Mr. Chambers, Livingston. Mr. Chambers? Oh, at the other end of the wire this time, sir, eh? <laughs> oh, very funny. Would you page Lenore Stano, please? Uh, no need to page her, sir. She's right here at this end of the wire. Oh, you're killing me. Put her on, will you? One moment, please. Hello? Lenore? This is Pete, Peter Chambers. Oh, I thought you'd plumb forgotten. Oh, swell chance. It's just that I've been torn between what I want to do and, uh, uh, what I want to do. You're not quite coherent, are you, Pete? Uh, later I'll be coherent, honey. Special for you, I'll be coherent when I get back. But, honey, when will that be? Soon, honey. Very soon now. You'll wait, won't you? Well. Oh, come on now. Please wait. I will, if you say so. But I'm beginning to lose patience. You're... You're so gone tomorrow. One moment you're here, the next moment you're gone. Oh, I'll be back, baby, and this time I'll stay. All right, then. We'll wait. You hang up, you mop your brow, and then Stoney comes tearing along like there's a tailwind behind him. He gets his key in the door, he gets in, and you jump him. Catches you with a couple of wild ones, and you let fly a few wild ones on him. But then he runs into a real beautiful bouquet of knuckles. And now Stoney is real Stoney. He's also rigid, stretched out on the floor like a welcome mat. You close the door and you get ready for a search, but no real search is needed. You come up with that brooch faster than a racehorse breaking from the barrier. You just pick it up out of a desk drawer where you dropped it when Parker's cops had come to pick him up. Then there's a rapping on the door. Detective Lieutenant. Aye. 
That's me. Just dropping in for a social call. Here's your brooch, Louis. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it'll clear you, kid. But without a search warrant, this bum will accuse you of planting it here. So will his lawyer. Well, where would I have gotten? From the kid. They'll say the kid slipped it to you, which they'll say is the reason the kid wanted you in the first place. Uh, that's right. That's right. Here, help me up. You had it right, Lieutenant. A plan. It's strictly a plan. It's not going to work, Stoney. Well, say about that. I got lawyers. Lieutenant, that story he gave you about how his print got on that dresser drawer. You got a statement on that? Oh, yeah. Sworn statement. Good, because that statement and this brooch here, together, they'll sit him in the hot seat. But good. I told you about those flowers. I told you how I cleaned up the petals from those gardenias and those orchids. They was all wilted. You saw them yourself. Some of the petals dropped in the drawer. I took them out. That's how the print got on there. Keep talking, pal. You're killing me. And better, you're killing yourself. I don't get it, Pete. You just talk to any florist, Louie, and they'll tell you. Tell me what? That there's a certain special feature about orchids and gardenias. Special feature? Neither gardenias nor orchids shed their petals regardless of age. What, Pete? They wither and they'll wilt. But petals, they just don't shed. What? You're a liar. No, I'm not, Stoney. Wait till it gets to your lawyer. He'll convince you that this is one time you talked out of turn. That's nice work, Petey. And you, let's go. Downtown, for you special, I'll fix up your cell with petunias. And so, breathless but determined, you're back at the cocktail party. It's begun to thin out, but Lenore is still there. Ah, the good Mr. Chambers. We were beginning to lose hope. Uh, what's with the we? I thought you said we over the phone, too. What is that, an editorial we? A queenly we? No, purely a grammatical we. We, myself and my husband. You see, my husband is an amateur criminologist, and he's somewhere about drinking, of course. And when I tell him about the prize catch I have for him... Husband? When I tell him that you're here and a what? man with your wealth of experience is willing to sit around with him and discuss the various topics... Ju- just, just, can... uh, just a minute, please. Yes. Did you say husband? Yes, I said husband. Oh, that's what I thought you said. Oh, that Denise. Oh, my aching back. But, honey, child, my name's Lenore. Yeah, I know, Lenore. But I'd have sworn you said Denise. I know just what I said. Well, I gotta go now. Bye. Again? And this time, honey, child, I ain't a-coming back. But know how. And there you've had Crime and Peter Chambers. Dane Clark was starred as Peter Chambers. Crime and Peter Chambers transcribed was created and written by Henry Kane. Others in the cast were Bill Zuckert, heard as Lieutenant Parker, Ralph Bell as Stoney, Donald Buke as Jack, and Anita Anton as Lenore. It was directed by Fred Way, and this is Fred Collins inviting you to tune in next week, same time, same station, for Dane Clark in Crime and Peter Chambers. The Equitable Life Assurance Society presents 
This is your FBI. This is your FBI, the official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, presented as a public service by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. Fathers and mothers of America, attention please. Upon the training you give your children today depends the future of America. Our system of free enterprise, personal liberty, and democracy cannot exist without educated and enlightened citizens. In about 14 minutes, our sponsor, the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States, will have some helpful suggestions for parents. If you wish to equip your children to take advantage of all the opportunities the future offers, don't miss this important message. Tonight, FBI file, Murder on the Range. Since the time of Eve, there have been nagging wives who drove their mates to commit crimes for the gratification of their own selfish desires. A few of these crimes have made history. The rest, like that in tonight's case from the files of your FBI, have seldom caused more than a ripple on the day-to-day -day flow of news. But their importance, for each contributes its unit of force to the wave of crime constantly beating against the underpilings of law and order on which society rests. In a roadside lunchroom located on the seldom-used Montana highway, Betty Adams, wife of the proprietor, is just handing a check to her lone customer. Here you are. It comes to 40 cents. Here's a half a buck, Mrs. Adams. Keep the change. Thanks. Good night, ma'am. Night. Betty? Oh, Betty? Yeah? That fellow leaves? Mm-hmm. Think maybe we should close up? I think we never should have opened. Oh, no, Betty. Please don't start nagging. I ain't nagging. I mean business. What are you talking about? I'm fed up with this place. Said right up to here. Betty. I mean it. Either you take me back east or I'm going by myself. What? We can't leave here now. Why not? All we've got in the world is tied up in this place. Then sell it. Sell it? Yeah. We could hardly give it away since the new road bypasses. Then let's walk out on it. Are you kidding? We'll find out if I'm kidding if you don't. Wait do a minute. So Jack, I've already I told said you. wait a minute. Well... You seem to have forgotten the main reason why we came out here. I know, I know. You done a stretch and you wanted to start all over again on the square. Don't wave that flag again. But, honey... You could have started all over back east. Then why'd you come out here with me? Because I fell for that picture folder talk of yours. 
And from now on, when I get the bite to see a little scenery, I'll stick a quarter in the translux and get ten minutes worth of travel off. Betty, you've got... Yes, sir? Hello, Jack. Huh? Marty. That's right. Where'd you come from? Just passing by, I thought I'd drop in. Is this the bride, kid? Yeah. Betty, I, I want you to meet a a guy I used to know back east. This is Marty Williams. How are you? How you doing? Marty, how'd you know I was here? I forget who gave me the office. I'm glad I remembered it, though. What do you mean? Well, I pulled a little job in Seattle to get myself a steak and was heading back east. Uh-huh. I got in a game over in Idaho this afternoon and lost my role. There was an argument and I had to wing a guy. You mean you shot him? That's right, sweetheart. That's why I headed here. Oh. I gotta go under for a few days till they stop beating the brush for me. Marty, maybe you haven't heard. What? I'm square now. Is that a turn down, kid? No. If you're in trouble, Mr. Williams, you can stay here as long as you like. Now, look, Betty... I said he stays. Good morning. Well, when did you get up, Mr. Williams? About an hour ago. Can I fix you something? Some eggs, maybe? I already had them. Came in here and cooked my own. Huh? Where's Jack? He'll be down in a minute. Tell me something, will you? What? Is Jack really leveling with that honest John pitch? Yeah. Sucker. I've been trying to tell him that. This trap looks like it's starving to death. It is. Then why don't he get off this kick? Step out and steal a few. Talk to him about it, will you? I think I will. Got any ideas? Yeah. I took a walk around outside a while ago. I saw what might be a real good touch. Save it for Jack. Here he comes now. Oh. Morning, Jack. Morning, Marty. What got you up so early? Sunshine, fresh air. I've been up for a walk already. Mm-hmm. Seems to be a pretty big ranch around here. Yeah, it's the T-Bar H. They only got a couple of hundred thousand acres. Uh, where do they sell that cattle? They drive them to the loading pens in Canyon City, about ten miles from here. Ship them to Omaha. Oh, suppose a man wanted to sell only four or five head at a time. Still have to ship them to Omaha? No, no, he, he could get rid of them in town. How much? Well, good beef steers are bringing twenty, twenty-five bucks a hundred. How much is that? They'll run 800 to 1,000 pounds apiece off the range. Somewhere around 200 bucks apiece, huh? <laughs> Thinking of going into the cattle business? How many could you get in that truck of yours? Oh, four or five head, I guess. But, hey, wait a minute. What are you getting at? 1,000 bucks a load and five or six loads. That'd net us about three grand apiece, Jack. I said, what are you getting at? I need cash so I can move out of here. That ought to be a good way to get it. Buddy, what do you think? Sounds swell. I'm not getting mixed up in any cattle rustling. Remember what I said last night, Jack. Now listen, Betty, Marty's I... come up with an idea that'll give us a stake to get out of here. But... Take it or leave it, Jack. 
But if you leave it, I'm leaving you. Some 25 or 30 miles away in the Butte, Montana office of the FBI, agent in charge Kearney is standing over the teletype machine as it finishes tapping off a message from Washington headquarters. Franken? Yes, sir? Franken, remember the bullet that sheriff over in Idaho sent us the other day? The one they dug out of the fellow wounded in that scrap at the jukebox place? Oh, oh yeah, sure. Washington checked it against the unidentified ammunition file and found a mate. Oh? It was fired from a gun known to be owned by a Marty Williams, ex-mobster in the East. How did he get way out in Idaho? A description of Williams' checks with a description the sheriff got of the man who did the shooting. Oh, I see. According to Washington, Williams was last seen around Seattle. Well, then he must have been headed back east. Yeah. And since he's bound to be out of Idaho by now, that makes him a fugitive. And our man. Uh, but he's probably out of Montana by now, too. Unless he decided to go under for a while. <laughs> That's pretty hard to do in strange country. Yes, I know. Anyway, we can tell the sheriff who he was after, and then start the ball rolling on Williams ourselves. <laughs> I'm in here, Marty. Oh. Look, uh, when did Jack leave for Canyon City? Hours ago. I wonder what's keeping the guy. I don't know. You know something? Huh? I don't care. Oh, that's how it is, huh? Uh-huh. He don't know that, though, does he? He should. But he don't. Otherwise, you never could have conned the guy into this cattle swindle. Guess you're right. Well, that's too bad. Jack's a nice guy. Sure. If you like nice guys. You don't? Uh-uh. What do you like? You. Like me? Yeah, I like you. You don't have to sound so unhappy. Well, you'd be unhappy, too, if you made a career of it. Going for heels? Yeah. Come here. Hmm? I said, come here. Well? Look, sweetheart. I feel the same way. Hi, Betty. Hi. Marty. Oh, hi. I'm sorry I took so long. What happened? Four trips, and the guy don't ask any questions. This time, he wants to know something. What? He wants to know why a big outfit like TBRH is selling stuff local. And only four or five headed a crack. What did you tell him? Well, I was lucky I remembered something I heard one of the TBRH hands say in here one night. About how the old man was letting him run a few head of his own on the side. With the TBRH brand on him? I don't know. You tell the guy in town the steers are yours and the old man's letting you run them on the side and all the time they got the T-Bar-H brand on them? Okay, but what I What big brains you got? You boys better go out of business fast. He swallowed what I told him. That's what you think. Okay, I'll prove it. How? Well, we were getting our last load tonight anyway. So I'll drive them in and sell them just like the rest. How's that, Marty? Come on. It'll be dark by the time we get over to the range.
Okay, that's it. That's four. And room for one more. I guess so. This part of the job is a cinch. What do you mean? All the Western movies I ever saw had a bunch of cowboys sitting around a fire singing and playing the guitar with a couple of more out riding around the herd. They don't ride herd except in the spring for Brandon and the fall for Roundup. And the rest of the time, all these stakes run loose like this, begging to be picked off? Well, every few days, one of the hands rides out to check the herd scattered over the range. You must have timed things just right, between checks. We've been lucky, Marty. Well, let's get number five and get out of here. Okay. Swing that lantern over here. Okay. Uh, how about Toots there with a the white face? Okay, let's... Wait a minute. What's the matter? Listen. I'd have sworn I heard a horse whinny. Yeah? If I did, we're not by ourselves out here. Give me that lantern. Let's douse the light in case. Hold on there, you fellas. Give me that lantern. Never mind putting out that lantern. Whoa, whoa, boy. Easy, easy. Just stand where you are. Where? You ain't just helping yourselves. Hey. Don't I know you? What? Sure I do. Jack Adams, the fellow that runs that eating joint over at the That's old... That's enough for me. No, no, Marty, wait. Hey, look here, I wouldn't make no more trouble if I were... Oh! Oh, oh! Lock the back end of the truck, Jack. We're getting out of here. Well, one of you tell me what happened. We ain't got time for that. Yeah, but All I got it. All you need to know is a shot a guy and we got to lamb out of here. Jack. Yeah? Get moving, will you? I'm not leaving here, Marty. Huh? I said I'm not leaving. Don't be a fool, Jack. It's too late for that. I was a fool when I let you nag me into stealing the cattle in the first place. So you're going to stay here and let him come get you? I'm not going to wait for that. I'm going to give myself up. You don't expect me to stay here, do you? No, no. You can beat it right now with my share of the dough. You worked hard enough for it. Okay, Jack. If you want to play noble and take the rap. I'm not that noble, Marty. What do you mean? This was your job, too. But nobody knows it was me. I know it was you. What? And I'm not taking the rap for both of us. So you might as well let Betty have your car and stick around with me. I said nobody knows it was me. And nobody's going to know it, Jack. Why not? Because you're not going to be able to tell him. Sweetheart, that should make me your favorite here. We will return in just a moment to tonight's FBI file. Now, it's time for our weekly series of questions and answers on education. First question. Who is the most enthusiastic believer in college education? A college president? A high school principal? Neither one. Surprisingly, the answer is the man who succeeded in spite of not having gone to college. He knows that leadership demands a background of knowledge which, if it is not developed in college, can only be acquired by years of laborious effort. How do we know self-made men feel this way about college? Well, the Equitable Society has a plan called the Equitable Educational Fund, whereby far-sighted parents make sure, through life insurance, 
that their children will be well-educated no matter what happens. And a very high proportion of equitable educational funds are taken out by parents who did not go to college themselves. Second question, what is an equitable educational fund? It is a plan that includes these important features. One, the equitable educational fund makes sure that money for education will be ready when your child is ready. Two, if you die, the educational fund becomes fully established. If you are totally and permanently disabled, the educational fund continues to build up without any further payment. Three, educational costs are spread out over many years instead of being concentrated in a few. Last question. How much will it cost to send your son or daughter to college? That question is answered in a memorandum that tells the cost of tuition, board, and lodging in 192 leading American colleges. In addition, it summarizes the long-range opportunities open to educated men and women in 29 industries and professions, such as architecture, dentistry, engineering, chemistry, life insurance, social service. The memorandum is crammed with information that every parent should have. Your nearest Equitable Society representative has a copy and will be glad to show it to any sincerely interested parent. Call him tomorrow. You'll find him in the phone book under Equitable Society. That's E-Q-U-I-T-A-B-L-E. The Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. And now, back to the FBI file, Murder on the Range. The average law-abiding citizen attributes great strength to every criminal. But criminals are not strong. They're weaklings. They become criminals because they cannot resist temptation. The temptation to take something for nothing. And therein lies their fatal mistake. The mistake that ultimately proves their undoing. Because one of the laws by which human beings live is called the law of compensation. And that law says that the only thing you get for nothing is nothing. About the time that Marty Williams sent a bullet crashing into the unprotected body of Jack Adams, a horse was pounding along the moonlit trail heading for the home corral. Uh, oh. Hey, what's going on here? Well, uh, hey. Give me a hand. Help me off. Sure, but what's wrong? I caught two fellas huh? Dry Creek Canyon stealing cows. What? Yeah, one of them threw lead at me before I could. Come on now. I'll help you at the old man's house. Yeah. Uh, Jim, Jim, it's Hank. He's hurt. Take care of his horse, will you? Come on. Easy now. Yeah. See? Who, who was that? One of them runs that eating joint over on the old road. What? Jack Adams? Yeah. Never seen the other before. What'd he look like? Didn't get a good look at him, why? Well, all the outfits around got a warning from them FBI men in Butte today to keep an eye peeled for a man that done a little shooting crossing Idaho a few days ago. Yeah? Maybe it ain't the same one, but as soon as we get the slug out of here, I'm going to call the FBI like they said to get him over here. Got your stuff packed, baby? Yeah, all set. Let's get started. Okay, you get into my car and head on for Butte. Wait a minute. Huh? What 
the idea? Because the truck outside was nearly a grand worth of moo cows in it, sweetheart. Marty, you're not going to try to... Don't worry. News of what happened tonight won't get around before tomorrow. Yeah, but suppose I'll drive on into Canyon City with them tonight, sell them first thing in the morning, head for Butte, ditch the truck, pick you up, and we're gone. Well, I wait for you. Register at the Black Hotel. Use the name of Madison. Mrs. John Madison. Okay. Now get started. Be careful, Marty. Get started. I certainly wouldn't think Adams would still be sticking around the road stand, Connie. Probably not, Reagan, but we might pick up a lead there as to where they've gone. You think the other fellow could be the man Williams were after? Didn't get enough description of him from the cow waddy to tell for sure, but if this Jack Adams is the one I'm thinking about, then I'm pretty sure Marty Williams is the one who did the shooting. Oh, how do you get that? Oh, from Williams' record I got from Washington. He and a Jack Adams were mixed up in a gang back east, and they served a term together. Oh. Anyway, the slug from the cowboy's chest will tell us for sure when we get it in the lab. Well, but in the meantime... Yes, I know times are wasting unless we get quicker evidence. Here's the road stand now. Go ahead, Rankin. Thanks. Lights are out. Just the same. Be careful. Come on. You try the door. It's open. Okay. Give me your flashlight. Right here. Thanks. Let's go in. Don't turn on the lights. Is far enough. What? Look. On the floor there. Well. I think that's the body of Jack Adams. Yeah. Let me have a look. Is it the same Jack Adams you were talking about? Yes. I'd say that description checks. Well, then that means that... Marty Williams. Well, where's Adams' wife? Williams can probably answer that, too. The boys with the ranch seem to think she was pretty fickle. What did you find? Papers. Adam's pocket here. Look like cattle receipts. Five of them. Well, then they must have been working before tonight. Looks like they've already sold about 25 head. Where? Canyon City. Well, that's about uh, 10 miles from here. Yeah. And Williams must have taken the load they got tonight to Canyon City. Let's go. trouble. What? The guy at the stock pen gave me a funny look and went off somewhere, so I dumped the cars and beat it for here. Think you went for the cops? I wasn't taking any chances. Anybody could tell you're not a ranch hand. You shouldn't have gone in the first place. Skip I told you. Skip that now. Let's get going. Tonight? The sooner the safer, baby. What'd you do with the truck? I left it there. Come on, get your stuff and let's roll. <laughs> Yes, sir. The man you're talking about drove in here at the stock pen several hours ago. Where is he now? Well, he looked suspicious to me, so I slipped off to get a deputy. But when I came back with him, the fellow had gone. Cows and all? Uh, no, sir. They're right over there in his truck. Uh, Rankin? Yes, sir. Look that truck over, will you? Right. Look, this man that drove the truck, uh, was there a woman with him? Uh, no, sir. Now, where's the deputy now? 
He lit out for Butte. What for? Well, he found out that this fellow who came here with the cows hired a car. To take him to Butte? He thought so, yes. Mr. Coney. Yes, Rankin? I found this road map in the truck. Oh, good. Let me see it. It's marked. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get back to Butte. But first, we'll call ahead and charter a plane. Well, baby, there's the lights of Sioux City firing up the sky just ahead. I won't know how to act back in civilization again, Marty. Pretty soon, good old Chicago. And then? Then we'll take this stake we got back in Montana and run it up into plenty of living for both of us. If Montana don't catch up with it. Forget it, sweetheart. Forget it. Marty, look. Huh? Those red lights strung across the road ahead. You better slow down. Yeah, I guess they're fixing the road. Somebody waving a flashlight. Maybe it's an accident. Hey, what's cooking, pal? I say what? Hey, what's the idea of flashing that light in my face? Welcome to Sioux City, Williams. What? And you too, Mrs. Adams. Who are you? What is this? We're special agents of the FBI from Butte, Montana. How'd you know we'd be here? You left a blueprint for us. Huh? That map we found in your truck, it had your route all marked out. Marty, you left a map so they could follow it? I forgot it. Why, you stupid fool! I suggest that you save your arguments for the courtroom when you're tried for murder. Marty Williams was sentenced to be executed for the murder of Jack Adams. Mrs. Adams, implicated in both the murder and the cattle rustling by Williams' testimony at his trial, is now serving a long prison term. The fate of these two petty criminals was, on the whole, unimportant. But it points out what your FBI has constantly attempted to prove to every citizen who might be tempted to make that first fateful step toward a career of crime. That no one makes crime a profitable profession for very long. It is possible to maintain a temporary advantage over the law, but sooner or later, the law must win. Whether the law be represented by your FBI, your local law enforcement agency, or both. Remember that the criminal is not strong. The real strength of the nation is in the solemn dignity of the law. In just a moment, we'll tell you about next week's exciting story from the files of your FBI. And now again, let me remind you to check with your Equitable Society representative about the safest and wisest investment a parent can make for his children's future, an equitable educational fund. Without obligation, he will also show you the Equitable Society's memorandum on the costs of higher education and some of the opportunities it opens. You'll find your Equitable Society representative in the phone book 
under the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. Next week, we will bring you another colorful story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Death for a Draft Dodger. The incidents used in tonight's Equitable Life Assurance Society's broadcast are adapted from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious, and any similarity thereof to the names of persons living or dead is accidental. Tonight, the music was composed and conducted by Frederick Steiner. The author was Frank Ferries, and your narrator was Dean Carlton. This is your FBI, is a Jerry Devine production. This is Milton Cross speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community and inviting you to tune in again next week at this same time when the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States will bring you another thrilling story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Death for a draft dodger on This Is Your FBI. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. That's it for this episode of Case Closed. You can find more from Crime and Peter Chambers. This is your FBI, Case Closed, all the other podcasts, and our shoutcast stream at relicradio.com. And while you're there, you can help support this and all of the shows if you've been enjoying them. Click on one of the links on the website or visit donate.relicradio.com for more information. We've got some downloadable sets for certain donation amounts. You'll find all that on the page. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. Be back next Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed. Mm-hmm.